welcome to the Art of Ministry. And today is the second part of a two-part series where Lockie and I share our artistic journeys. And today is Lockie. Take it away, bud. G'day, it's Lockie here for the Art of Ministry podcast. I am following up uh, John's excellent offering um, not too long ago, uh, which was in response to one of our wonderful listeners saying, can uh, you describe your artistic journey? Uh, Now, I'm taking the possibly debatably wise approach of, um, I'm, I'm not really... You know, writing down scripts or working from dot points. I'm just thinking through. I mean, I have a, a post-it note of what I things I should cover. Um, but I thought it was worth actually just thinking through and basically making this a bit of a, bit of a chain of consciousness. But I want to start by saying that I find the question itself quite odd. What is your artistic journey? And the reason I find it odd is because it's not a phrase I would use to describe my thinking about um, creativity and artistic expression or anything like that. Um, And there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one, the idea of a journey suggests both a a destination, somewhere that you're heading, somewhere that's like, this is what I want to achieve, which I find odd in this area. And the other thing is a progression. And certainly, you know, when you are developing skills uh, in artistic fields, there is a progression. You, you learn, you get better, You um, whether you're studying or you're just practicing, um, you tend to uh, quite often people, artistic people will be their own biggest critic. Um, and you will quite often, no matter what the field is, whether it's writing or artwork or painting or, um, cooking, you know, um, people will look at what they did five years ago and think, oh, that's so much worse than what I can do now. I, I, I'm almost ashamed of that. You know, they might've been very proud at the time. So certainly there's that progression, but Again, talking about it as a journey, it almost makes it seem like that progression is with the goal in mind. You are progressing because you are heading somewhere. Now, when I think of artistic skills and abilities, for me, the the, the thoughts that come to mind are more that artistic skill and creativity is, is a tool and a need. Now, that might sound very strange, um, uh, but I'll talk more about uh, what I mean by that. Um, you know, it might sound very sort of high-handed, like some kind of uh, French artist kind of going, oh, I need to create. That's not really what I'm saying. But let me, let me start by talking as best I can about my artistic journey. Now, the problem I have initially is that uh, it's not just one journey. 
um, because there's, there's different artistic things that I do. So I'll, I'll start off by having a bit of a go at some of the different journeys. Um, so let me start by talking about drama, because drama is something I've sort of talked about and had a really strong interest in. So where, what's my journey with drama? So I started, um, I grew up in a very arty family. Um, we are creative, uh, my mum is a scriptwriter from years ago and my parents have been in plays and sketches and all kinds of things for way before I was born. And when I grew up, one of the regular things that I was involved with as a kid is this thing called Beach Mission. Now, if you are, um, not... If you haven't anything to do with Scripture Union or if you are perhaps international and Scripture Union doesn't work that way in your area, um, it's worth knowing what that means is a program. It's not quite a camp because there's no campers. There's no one being served if, as such. It's not like leaders and campers. What you do is you take a team of maybe 30 volunteers away um, and generally you'll go somewhere where people are doing holidays like a caravan park. Um, and you will run programs for the people staying there. So the ones I did, we, we would go to caravan parks and we would go around in the mornings and play loud instruments and scoop up kids um, who'd come running and join us in um, and we'd run programs for them and I'd be talking about Jesus. Um, now, you might, if you're not a person of faith or if you're some, someone asking questions about it, you might find that's a little uncomfortable it sounds odd to you but one of the things that's worth knowing is this is all entirely voluntary and we may took pains to make sure that parents and kids are all fine with it um we nowadays when beach missions are running there's a process of getting consent and for the most part the kids love what we're doing because it's fun and silly and bright and the parents are like i just want them out of the tent so i can sleep you know um and I think they're fantastic. Look, and, and someone can, you know, if someone has an issue with Beach Mission, they can do some homework, maybe get us back in the comments. Um, I'll defend it to the hilt. But, um, but yeah, I grew up on Beach Missions uh, many years ago. Uh, we, would do, we would do them every year and we'd go to strange places like Tumby Bay and Stansbury around SA. My parents used to do them in New South Wales. And I grew up with this crowd of people in their sort of late 30s and 40s running them. And they were, it was the same sort of crowd of people that were doing most of them. And I found out later that was a problem. They were looking for people to replace them and they hadn't just found anyone at that time. But they were all these people who'd done it so long that they'd started to get really experimental. Um, and one of the things they would do is they would play with different drama ideas and different drama formats. And we would do these lantern processions in the evenings where the kids had made lanterns during the day. And then we'd do an evening procession right around the campsite and everyone could see. But then there would be suddenly these little dramatic montages on the side of the road that we would just suddenly, as we're going along, we would stumble into a scene from the the, the crucifixion, you know, from from the Bible or something like that. Or, or in the mornings, we would have these dramas that were sort of half Monty Python, half um, Bible story, you know, um, 
and we, we might do an evening event where everyone's role-playing this idea that we're all travelling to the future in a time machine. And some of them went terribly. Some of them were terrible ideas. And some of them were amazing and got talked about for years to come. And quite often, and I can tell you some stories, but quite often because of things that we never could have planned for. Um, uh, people can ask me about the, the cross going missing or... Um, Something like that. But uh, so I grew up in this environment where people were just throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck with drama. And it was specifically kind of using it evangelistically. Um, but I also grew up with a brother who wanted to be an actor and he um, went and did only uh, youth theatre. You know, he's doing uh, theatre as a teenager and he did amateur when he got older and he was studying drama at uni so it was always around um and we would do all kinds of stuff i i got into a um a school play i mean our school did um uh not lord of the rings it did uh the previous one the hobbit um and i got a part in that uh when i was young our whole school did it and, and different classes did different bits of the story um, and I got a speaking part somehow. And when we got into high school, uh, now I was the bottom of the pile socially in high school. We had this crowd of friends that were not so much friends as the leftovers. Um, and we had some stuff in common. We all had nerdy hobbies and things and we grew more as we spent time together. But really, it was not a crowd of people who were particularly fond of each other. It was the leftovers that didn't fit anywhere else. And so I, I had a really... Uh, my high school experience was rough, but drama was this weird world where the normal rules were suspended. Um, and even the kids who would bully me would sometimes realise that I was quite good at drama. So if they had me in their group, that helped them. And so suddenly I had friends while drama was on. And um, if you've never done a theatre show, you probably won't realise that when you are doing a performance together, because it is this combined project that you were all depending on each other for, to, to, you know, for the right person to give you the right lines and come in at the right time, you form this weird sense of family. So within drama, when we're getting to year year 11 and 12 and we're doing projects together there was this strange sense where all the normal rules of who was in and who was out were suspended and um and that sort of changed a lot of the rules of what i knew about how the world worked you know because suddenly i'm okay here i'm not the sort of dregs drop out that no one talks to that i normally am and and so that's one piece of the puzzle um, and we also, when I got to uni, we, there was some, I was with the Christian group and we'd do camps and there would be, um, dramas there. And I would also, I started going to beach mission myself and we did all kinds of dramas and I started writing them. Um, and I was lucky enough to be involved in a church drama group for about three years, which I've never seen it's like. Um, we called ourselves Thou Art The Man, and we did not just the church, which had a regular attendance of like 300 people, but um, we did conferences and all kinds of stuff. And it was drama as church drama should be done. We would get three months warning on what 
a topic, a talk topic was going to be. And we got to brainstorm for a month and come up with an idea. And then someone would have a month to write the script and then we'd have a month to rehearse and learn it. And then we'd be performing and it would be this really polished thing that supported the message, you know, and asked questions that were then addressed in the talk or, you know, it was, we did some fantastic stuff in there and it fell over in the end. Um, but that was something I was involved with for a fan for a while. And I got into amateur and I said, I would not, um, my brother loved amateur and he, he always did that sort of thing. And I had this rule that every time he said, um, I I'm in this show and, and I'd always go, is it any good? And if he hesitated even for a fraction of a second, I would just be like, I'm out <laughs> because I always had this image of amateur as just terrible. Um, and then I, he did one show where he didn't ask me that. He just sort of said, we're in a show. I'm doing a show. We really need people. Do you reckon you can help? And I kind of went, oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. And I realized afterwards he'd never given me the chance to say, is it any good? And, and I got tricked into doing amateur that way. Um, but it's a very strange world and it is a bizarre place, but it was a really, I got the feeling this is a place that I should be. When I started doing the amateur theatre, I'm kind of like, there's a whole heap of people who are not Christian here. And I don't, I've realised I don't have any friends that aren't Christian. And there's a whole heap of friends from backgrounds and ways of understanding the world that I am not around. And these are genuinely good people. And I think this is a healthy thing for me to be involved. There's lots of challenges that go with it. There's lots of things I had to get my head around and adjust to um, and be wary of what I was in and what I wasn't for. But... There was all the, this is one of the pieces of drama that I ended up doing and just all kinds of things. And I did like done bits of professional shows here and there and all kinds of things. Um, and so it's this sort of whole mix and I've never been on a mission to be a drama person. And that's one of the reasons I find that idea of your journey a bit strange because I never set out to be an actor. My brother did. Um, I always joke that um, my sorry, I just move the camera there. Always joke that my brother is a uh, an actor who writes, and I'm a writer who acts. Um, but it was always something I did f- not because I wanted to be an actor, but just something that was a good thing for me to be doing. I would do amateur th- shows, and I was always quite happy to have the less significant roles. I mean, I liked doing things where you got to you know, act a bit and explore and and do some fun stuff and be on stage and, you know, your friends would see you. But every now and then I'd do a show where you were just no one, you were chorus. And one of the things I realized with that is that gives you time backstage. You're you're there the whole show and you're just chatting to people the whole time until that 10 minutes when you're on. Um, And that's part of what I loved about Amateur, you know, time with people and meeting these people and spending time with them. And, you know, theatre, you... You, you have these instant families that form and it was awesome. So that's one piece of drama. That's, you know, one, one journey for me. And the funny thing is it's, it's, I don't think of it as a journey because it's sort of just different things that play in. It's not like one path all the way through that I've been following or and I, there's been no destination as such. And now I quite often think of drama as a tool in my toolkit. 
because I've I've done when I was a youth minister, I've done church talks, and I've kind of said, well, how do we make a point here in a way that will catch teenagers and will get people thinking out of the box a little bit and isn't just a three point twenty two minute sermon um, that we are very good at ignoring nowadays and you know, not taking in. Um, what can I do out of the box? And I will say, all right, well, let's do something dramatic. Let's do a whole heap of little dramatic montages and I'll write a script and we'll work that in. It's a tool. It's a communication tool. Um, and it's one of many that I will use as I need for different projects. So let's talk about another journey. Um, music. Music's an interesting one. I don't don't consider myself a musician. Uh I sung when I was a kid. I was talked about as being musical. Um, I have a good ear for notes and tunes, and I can remember. And uh, probably one of the first things was I got talked into being in a choir when I was much younger, sort of 12-ish. Um, and I went along for a while. Um, and in the end, I got bit bored with it um it just seemed like work at the time so i just kind of went oh yeah whatever didn't really appreciate the gift i had at the time um and then my voice broke and it went away my voice was just terrible for a couple of years and i sort of stopped singing um and when my voice started to recover a little uh i didn't really recognize it because i had a really good friend who was a genuinely valuable mate um and he was a really good bloke but he was a joker and he was sarcastic and it was just the way he worked and one of the things is whenever i sung in any context where he could hear he would make some really snarky comment about it he's kind of like oh now the birds are now i know where the birds are dropping out of the sky or something like that and it's it's a good lesson to know even if you are good friends with someone and you, you think they know your humour and um, you think they know when you're being serious and when you're not, you have to be careful sometimes, the damage you can do. Because I heard those comments and coming out of thinking my voice had been terrible for a couple of years, I'm like, yeah, okay, so it's still bad. It obviously never came back. Um, and I just didn't sing anywhere i would sing in the shower i would sing if i didn't think many people were listening but i didn't sing anywhere public um i would listen to music i really liked they might be giants the band um and you too and i would sing along with that when no one was listening and i would harmonize and i didn't realize that was important i would just i'd learned the song so much that um, I started to think of other ways, other tunes that you could sing along with it, because that was a bit more interesting. And it was only later on that people were kind of going, he does natural harmony and that's a thing. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I thought you just heard a song and then you made up something that went with it. Um, so I would do a little bit of that, but I didn't really do anything in public until eventually uh, my sister-in-law actually pinned me down at one point and said, I, I need you to make me a promise. I was about 19, 20 at this. I was at uni, I think. And I kind of went, what? And she went, you have to use your voice for something. I don't care what, but you need to 
find a place to use it. And I said, okay, and I felt very uncomfortable about it. Um, and I signed up for church drama, uh, church music. Um, and I started off doing that thing that unconfident singers do where you have the mic and you're holding it away and you're doing everything you can to avoid anyone hearing you through the mic. Um, and yeah, we, we can see you doing that. If you're <laughs> don't, don't panic because we actually want to hear you and everyone wants you to win. But, um, I, <laughs> many of us do it. Um, but, uh, I was very, very unconfident. And just over time, people began to say, yeah, that was good. That was good. All right, now do this, you know. And then someone figured out I could do a harmony because I I had a song I'd known really, really well. And I was just sort of harmonizing to it quietly. And someone said, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's use that in the... And so I figured out I could do harmonies and things. And just over time, I got more and more confident that I was all right. My voice wasn't terrible. Um, and then I got talked into being in an a cappella choir. And for a number of years, I was in a choir called Soul Conviction. Um, I was a tenor, even though I'm a baritone. Um, and I'm a funny beast because I can't read music for the life of me. It means nothing to me. My four-year-old reads more music than I do. But I have a really good memory for notes. So it was one of these things of it was always hard work for me to, to learn the tune. But once it was in my head, it didn't leave. So even if we had um, two or three less confident tenors and all our big guns were away that week, if I knew the song, I could hold the line. Yeah, and so just sort of bits and pieces that I figured out I could, I, I have a, I have something good that I can do here, you know. Um, and where that ended up is we did a fringe show in, um, like 2000, so it's a long time ago. Um, and I got asked to do a solo. Um, so we did, it was sort of gospel music, a lot of it, and, and some sort of uh, African acapella music. But um, I got asked to do uh, Oh Happy Day from Sister Act 2, which if you've seen the movie, you'll know is a terrible thing to ask a baritone. Um, but yeah, I, I did the solo and I got a really good response for it. And it's kind of funny because I, after that, I've done other music things. I've been in music teams and things like that. But for me, I kind of felt like that's as far as I need to go. I, I feel like I've honored that promise. I don't want to be a professional musician. I now have a tool I can use, uh, and I don't need to do anything with it. I don't need accolades or anything, but this is something I can use places. And when we did um, amateur theatre, I ended up being in musicals and that was a useful tool there that opened doors to be able to do those shows that might not have been there otherwise. And I've done it in different musical things. I, I'm mostly voice. I can also do a very bit of basic drumming. I talk about myself being an emergency backup drummer, like, uh, you know, if if the normal drummer explodes, then you pull the ripcord and the inflatable one pops up and that's me. Um, <laughs> but music is a thing that I do some of. And I have lots of ideas in my head. And I'll start to talk later on about projects and, and ideas and how that plays. Um, and some of them myself a necessarily a musician but I have lots of tools that I can use in that space 
and lots of thoughts about it because of stuff that I've known and seen in action and things. Um, so what's another journey? Well, maybe the big one, uh, writing. So I say that because when I was like five years old and everyone is going around the circle and saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and everyone's saying a policeman and a fireman or Spider-Man or something. I always said, I want to be an author. And I don't really know where it came from now. Um, I do know that my mum was a scriptwriter, a professional, um, and she ended up publishing books later on. And so maybe that was where it had come from. I was just had this awareness that that was a real job. Um, but it was something I had said for years. And I remember just recently we found a book that I wrote when I was eight years old. Um, there was just this sort of block of A4 paper stapled together with pictures that I'd drawn and I'm writing and it had this little Principal's Merit Award on it because um, obviously the school had liked the creativity. Um, and it was always just an idea. I, one of the problems was I was a terribly, terribly slow writer. So I had these visions of these chapter long stories and whenever we did anything in school I'd do a page and a half, if that. Um, so I didn't know how far it went in primary school, but then we got to year seven and we had this extraordinary teacher. We had, um, two teachers in year seven. We had uh, Mrs. Earl and Mrs. Bonges and Mrs. Bonges was lovely. She was the maths science teacher, which wasn't necessarily where my brain landed. Um, I mean, I could do maths and science, but I, it wasn't my homeland mentally, you know, and, then we had Mrs. Earl, and Mrs. Earl was the creative, arty one. And I don't know how she got the clearance for it, but at one point she said, all right, we are just going to stop what we're doing for the next three months, and we're all going to write novels. And that's our project. And, you know, it brought in art because we all did our own artwork for it, and it brought in lots of different, you know, creativity skills and things like that, and writing and... It was such a bizarre idea. I've never heard it's like, and I loved it because as I said, I'd always wanted to be an author and I was not a great student and my parents knew this and yet I went home when after this started and I would get up at six in the morning and I'm terrible at mornings and I would write, eat breakfast as I was writing and I would just write and write until it was time to go to school and then I would go to school and then I would come home at the end of the day and I would write until bedtime for months, like a couple of months. And you could see my parents just going, what is going on here? And I loved it. It was fantastic. It was a great idea. And I, the, there were various different novels that people came up with. I think the shortest one was 12 pages and um, a couple of people did a picture book and things like that. Um, I came up with this thing that was 76 pages long. And the problem I hit is, as I said, I was still a slow writer. So even if I was up at crack of dawn, I was still, when we hit the deadline, after a number of months, I was five chapters into a 13 chapter story. But my mum kind of looked at this and kind of went, okay, 
this isn't something we want to let get squashed because this seems valuable, whatever's happening here. And so on the day when I was supposed to hand in my story and I had less than half of it ready, she just kind of went, right, you are staying home and you are dictating this story to me and we are doing the rest of it today. And so I dictated eight chapters of the story, which I'd already skeletoned out. I knew how it was going to go. I knew how it was going to fit together. So we just wrote it. And then she typed it up on electric typewriter, which is what we had at the time, because it was pre, well, it wasn't really pre-computers. It was pre-us having money for computers. Um, but yeah, we didn't have a lot of money as a young family. Um, but yeah, we ended up with a novel. I still got it. <laughs> and it's 76 pages long and it's got artwork, some artwork that my brother did and some artwork that I did. Um, and it pinched elements from things I was reading at the time. Um, it's a fantasy story. And I, it was the best thing I'd ever done. And I always, it, it carried on this thing of I would love to be an author someday. And I kept writing as I went on. And I had times when um, uh, I hit a dry patch. There was a number of years when I just uh, lost it. Like, I remember I had written a manuscript that was about 40,000 words and I'd thrown so much energy into it. And then I had the computer stolen and I lost it. And I just kind of went, oh. And lost momentum and didn't touch it for about five years. And then I met a friend who was doing a creative writing course. Um, and uh, she was doing this interesting master's course that was like, you didn't actually need to do undergraduate in writing um and we would catch up and have tea and talk about um stories and all kinds of things and i remember when i first met her um it was, uh, attractive girl in a um christian singles crowd and someone said oh you should talk to this girl I, um you'd, you'd really get on and i sort of felt look looked around and felt like all the sort of sharks were circling and i kind of went i'll i'll chat to her when things quiet down a bit that'll be fine um, and then I remember talking to her afterwards, like a, a couple of months down the track and um, we're starting to talk stories and uh, um, I sort of, she sort of said, Who, which kind of authors do you like? And I kind of went, I, I like um, C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien. And she kind of went, oh, I did my honours thesis on Tolkien. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is a problem. <laughs> um, but yes, and I ended up, getting back into it and remembering what I'd been doing and starting to write other stuff and found a hard, like a printed copy of my old manuscript that I thought had been lost. And I didn't keep working on it because I'd moved on since then. But, you know, writing that and getting into sort of weird novelty writing projects on the side, you know, email games with my brother and things like that. And um, moving on and eventually... I got into, I, I was working for the gov the state government. I was working for the state government at the time and I ended up having a contract drop back. So I was only doing three days a week and I kind of went, I could do that writing course that my friend had done. 
And so I ended up doing master's creative writing and I created a manuscript. And over the following years, I sort of edited it up and um, managed to, you know, worked over it and worked over it and things. And then eventually I went along to a seminar where um, someone from, a couple of people from publishing worlds and publishing houses were working and um, a guy that I sort of had a passing acquaintance with was there and um, he was actually connected with this publishing house and I sort of chatted to him and said, I have I have a manuscript if you're interested. And he's like, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. And I ended up um, getting a book published. Um, and... <laughs> now that's not a journey I consider ended. Um, this is probably the closest one I would consider to a journey because this is one that I've said, this is what I would always love to do for a job. Now I'm not doing that for a job. It, there is very few people in South Australia who write full time. Um, so it is something that I'm doing on the side, but I have a book out and I am working on another. Um, and it is something I want to keep doing. Um, and there's other stuff that I've done in and of that. There's story games that I've been involved with and um, role-playing games, which if you don't know much about them, they're actually a collaborative story that you write with friends. Um, and lots of little bits and pieces of creative stuff. And I've also been doing, I mean, I've, I've moved into content writing in recent years. And so I'm doing like blog writing and all kinds of stuff. And so there's this whole mesh of other writing things that I've used in different things and skills that feed into creative writing and creative writing feeds other things. Um, so even that idea of the journey of an author is a very convoluted one and there's lots of things that feed in and it feeds other stuff. And it's not just one thing. It's not just one path. Um, but that is definitely something I consider part of my toolkit. Um, working with the the spoken word um and that actually overlaps with public speaking and with all kinds so you know hence here i'm doing a podcast um but those skills are the idea of how do i communicate a message how do i make someone feel something how do i communicate an idea how do i get someone thinking in a way that they might not have been thinking before how do i sneak an idea in you know tolkien um had these things about you know you can use fantasy in ways that people sneaks under people's defenses almost you know that um they you can think about right and wrong in a way that if you just confronted them with it they wouldn't listen but you can sneak a message about someone with a magic ring under their under their shield yeah um and yeah i mean my my book is fantasy it's um not a lot a lot of people when they know i've been a youth minister they assume it's going to be some um uh, line the witch in the wardrobe especially when they know it's a favorite of mine mine's a lot darker than that um i don't know the witcher very well but a few people have compared it to that in terms of its tone but it does have ideas of redemption and wrong and right in there. And that's because I really like the ability to be able to put ideas in that you could then use to have a talk about faith and belief and how the world works and what is wrong and right and how we feel like we stand on that scale and things like that, you know, having putting those ideas in, in a way that you can start a conversation. Um, 
but I also just love fantasy stories, and that's one of the reasons I'm an author. Um, so one more journey. Um, you can, of course, skip through some of these if, you if you're <laughs> feeling like it's, you're, it's too many journeys. But the reason I thought I would tell you um, I'm, I'm doing four journeys um, is so you know the ends in sight. Drawing. Now, I am not in uh, John's league. He is a, a cartoonist. He has done, done professional work with it. Um, nor Cherie, who we've also had on the show. And um, both those guys are superb artists and great at what they do. And I love what they do. Um, I don't do that. Um, I do some basic drawings um, I have used them for lots of things. I've used them for different uh, church projects and things like that. I have a style that has these sort of faceless characters. Um, I did them as mural designs for a project we were working on for Scripture Union at one point um, because the idea of having characters with no faces is actually really good because you can read yourself into the picture. Um, but I don't consider myself a professional artist. It's just something I do because I am interested in and I enjoy it. Uh, when It's hard to say when that started. Um, I, when I was very young, my parents got me this thing called the drawing book. And uh, I, for years, loved this book. I would just flick through and there was just all these interesting pictures of spaceships and um you know lots of things and just different ideas about how to draw stuff um and i never did any of it for a long time i just really loved looking at the pictures but years later there is an idea in here um of how to draw a figure that sort of you start with just like a stick figure and then you put body shape bits on it and, you know, maybe a bit of a skeleton. And then you start to put um, geometric shapes on top of that. And then you just keep, keep working from that. And that ends up giving you a shape. And at some point when I was required to draw a, a body shape that was more than just a stick figure, that's what I fell to. And um, end up doing more and more of that. And one thing we've talked about on the show before um, that um, John and I have in common is we love the artwork from the, the Good News Bible. It is just superbly clever what you can do with just a few lines. And when I was younger, I played around with my pencils. My parents got me Derwent's at one point as a... Oh, no, some an old girlfriend of mine got me Derwent's as a... Um, as a birthday present at one point, I think it was for my 18th and I played around with them for a while. And I just, uh, pencil work isn't necessarily my home ground when it comes to artwork. And eventually but partly inspired by those good news things, I, I landed on the idea of Sharpies. Um, and I started to explore the idea of doing art that's almost sort of cartoon-like but also has shading and things with using colours that you have available. And I've ended up with this enormous pencil case filled with a million different Sharpie colours um, that I sort of built up over the time. And I've gone to Japan and bought ones from 
these amazing shop, stationary shops they have over there that, that can do shading and I've got flesh tones and different lots of different colors and these enormous ones for blue because you're always doing water for blue and that's, you know. Um, and so I've just sort of experimented with a different style and landed on a style that I like and I don't, I'm not a professional, I'm not um, using it in a professional way, but it's, it's a, it particularly is a, is a tool that I use sometimes. Um, I, I would never try, well, I don't know. I've, I haven't thought about it too much, but I, I don't think I would try doing that kind of artwork as the illustrations for my book, but it gives me a tool. I could, I could probably draw figures that would describe to an artist, this is how I want the picture to look. You know, this gives you a skeleton. You can see where the characters are and how they're facing and things like that, that an artist could then go, oh, yeah, I can chop that up really quickly. So that would be a useful tool for me. Um, so there's four different journeys that I'm on. Um, and what I get out of them is this range of tools. And the tools are tricky because they bleed into each other and there's all these there's like lots of other journeys that i haven't talked about and and things that skills that transfer over and can mesh into each other and um you know public speaking meshes in with writing because it's all about communicating an idea and artwork i also have nerdy hobbies where i'm painting little models um for for sort of fighting tabletop battles and um you know i'll do these sort of flying monsters and and little people um and so i've learned how to use a brush and that turned out to be really handy when i was doing a like a murals project for um for scripture union when i was working for them and then there's all these bizarre skills. At one point, we've, we've been building a shed recently. I've, I've found of all my family, um, I'm the one who knows how to use power tools. And that's partly because I have, I started off making projects for nerdy tabletop model games and using power tools for that. And that, and that taught me to use um, uh, drills and, you know, do home renovations and then, but that's, that also circles back around because then I found, find I have spare steel and the way my brain works, I've kind of gone, I wonder if I can use some of that metal. Now I've got an angle grinder. I wonder if I could use that and do some kind of cosplay, you know, could, could I make a, a dagger that you could use for a, like a medieval kind of, so that's just made from a piece of steel, um, from our shed, you know, um, that might, may well be used in a, in a, a um, fantasy festival or something like that. I, I think so much more in terms of projects and things that I want to do rather than, um, as a journey so much. And there's obviously I've talked about those different things like music and, and writing particularly and, and art and, and drama that I've explored and I've worked in those spaces and I've spent time in those and I've, for a while, it's been like the hobby that dominates things. So um, amateur theatre probably happened in the gap when I wasn't doing much writing and all that sort of stuff. But really, all of it meshes together and it's, it's hard to talk about it as a journey because there's so many things that come into play. And I have the sort of brain that I, I do projects. 
Um, and I, um, at the same time, I will always have, uh, I've got, you know, two different ideas for book series that I'm working on at the moment. So I'm working on a um, sequel to, to this published one, but I also have a sci-fi that I'm working on. And I'm also, I'm, I'm like helping John with um, uh, this podcast um, and also doing ideas for a story writing podcast that might, that might be coming out later on down the, tr- you know, I might do later on down the track. And um, I have, been called in to use my skills from model making to help a school out building set pieces for a drama piece that they've been doing. And, um, and I quite often get called upon to, to do drama stuff. And that might be writing a script for someone or might be doing a training seminar on how to do certain things. And, um, all of it is just the, the, these tools that you can use for these different opportunities. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons I thought it was so important to do this podcast was I feel like in some ways when people think about the idea of um, faith and particularly communicating faith, uh, there's certain habits we get into. Uh, there's certain this is the right way to do this that we we think about. And, and what I mean by that is I remember being with a group of university students and um, at one point a whole bunch of us were tasked with let's come up with the most creative ways we can to let people on um, uh, campus know who Jesus is. And people sat down this group of about 20 people and it was, it was the same three ideas. It was dialogue dinner and, you know, a couple of other things. And, and I was kind of thinking, we, we, we are not thinking very much out of the box here. I, I, for years I was involved with this camp for teenagers with creative skills. It was a Christian camp that run by scripture union called mad camp. And I loved it. And I, nowadays, I talk about um, creatives as a noun, uh, as a sort of a cultural group. And it was really those camps that sort of put me onto that because when I went along to them, I'm like, these are my people. These people get me, (laughs) both the leaders and the kids. Um, But one of the things, I got the chance to do the talks for some of those. and, And one of the things I would encourage those kids with is kind of saying you guys have gifts to communicate that no one else does you have skills and ways of saying things and you can do ideas and try things that no one else is trying and in my head I went back to those beach mission days where people are just you know let's give this a go no that was a terrible idea okay let's give the wow that really works yeah (laughs) um and being creative and trying stuff and being willing for things not to work. Um, I'm the sort of person who just has lots of different projects always on the go. And in some ways there's an element in me that thinks about the idea of communicated gospel ideas in similar terms. What tools can you bring to bear on this? How can you do it in a way that you haven't thought about? How can 
I, our family suffers from a terrible curse that we are useless at knowing the way things are supposed to be done. Um, and we are great at figuring out a way that it can be done. Um, my wife is superb at going on YouTube and finding 10 videos, any, any problem we have where it's, um, a, uh, you know, how do we fix this thing? How do we attach this thing? How do we, you know, fix this thing about our shed? Um, she'll go onto YouTube and she finds the answers. She finds the ways it's done by the professionals and things like that and finds a video that explains it's really easily. And she's great at that sort of thing. Um, I'm the one who just never thinks of that um, and always comes up with my own way, which five times, you know, Four times out of five is is much harder and more expensive. Um, but then sometimes I'll do what I just is the same thing for me. It's just coming up with a solution to the problem and people will go, oh, there's no way to fix that. Wait, what did you just do? How, how did you do that? <laughs> um, and with communicating ideas of faith or getting people to reflect on the faith they have, all these things are tools. Again, another blessing of Mad Camp was seeing people doing some of these this stuff and seeing how a drama, a drama where basically people are dancing to music pretending to be robots, can that get you thinking about faith ideas, about freedom versus being told how you have to be. Where does that interact with faith? The idea of masks is so easy to play. It's such an important idea about how our culture works and it's so easy in drama to play with those concepts and think through and say, how does this interact with who we really are? Um, yeah. So journey is a tricky thing for me because so much I I have been on journeys, I have been on lots of different things and they all overlap and they speak to each other and they come into the same space and where I am is the product of all these different journeys and I have skills from all these different things um, and I have ideas about them. And that's one of the, the things um, I... There's probably things that we talk about on this podcast that I'm not necessarily a qualified, I'm not a professional muso. So why would I have an opinion about music? But it is something I'm passionate about. It's something I have ideas about. So um, I want to put that in. I want us to think about, you know, where do, why do we do church music the way we do? Am I qualified to, to think that? I don't know, but it's something I am passionate about. So let's think about it. If you uh, have a better informed opinion, let's let's talk about that because that's going to be useful to us. I suppose the the last thing I should circle back to is that idea of needs. And I sort of said at the beginning, you know, I I think about creative arts as as a tool, and I've talked about that a bit, and and a need, and. It, probably, it almost could sound unhealthy. But what I mean by that is 
all of us in our everyday have the need for everyday achievements. That's something I've realized. That no matter how your brain works, you need wins. And some of them are big. You might have a huge project that you're working on over weeks. Um, and when that comes through, you'll be on cloud nine for ages. Um, or it might be something unrelated to you. Your win might be um, something that you're, you're, you know, you might be following uh, the sport and seeing um, Australia get in, win, do well in the World Cup. And that's your win because that's your team. And so you're, you know, um, but you also need the everyday wins and you need the everyday little things that give you fuel and um, a sense of achievement and a sense of I'm doing things of value. And for me, I find I am fueled by going into a creative space. And it doesn't necessarily matter which one it is. If I'm writing books or if I am coming up with um, stories related to, you know, these little figurines or um, if I am finding out whether you can use an angle grinder to make a, a knife or if I am... Uh, coming up with artwork as kludgy as it is that might um, be the start of a, a board game that I'm thinking of ideas for, or if I'm, you know, coming up with something that might someday become a podcast that I'm working on, or I, I have these little ideas that I want to explore. I'm, yes, I'm a hundred project person and not all of them get done, but um part of that idea of going into that space where you can create and invent no matter what the format is um it gives me those everyday wins where i am doing something of value and i'm using my brain in a way that um rejuvenates me um and so that creativity and those ideas of arts that's where I, I talk about it as a need in that sense of um, it's not a journey that I'm going on because I want to go somewhere. They're tools that I have that I can use for a range of stuff. But also just working in this space, just thinking in this way, problem solving. Creativity have so much in common with practical problem solving. Um, it's a lot you would be surprised how much computer programming and um, writing music or, or creating a story might have in common. Um, those spaces rejuvenate me. So being able to go into that, um, I often talk about being able to hyper-focus. I'm, I'm the sort of person who I love to write for eight hours and just go into that world. So it's a need for me in the sense of part of the way my brain works is I am refreshed and I am energized by creating. And it can be in a range of ways. And the reason I've done all those different um, different kinds of creative things and a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't even talked about on top of that is because all of those things can be part of that. Um, yeah, so I guess... That's sort of my answer and all over the place. And I'm sorry if it felt a bit meandery, but that idea of a creative journey, I've been on so many different creative journeys and 
the closest I have to having a goal is that idea of I've always wanted to be an author. And in some ways, that idea has protected me from investing too much in, you know, in, in everyday career. I've never been one of those people who um, I am my job. And if I'm bad at my job, then that means I'm terrible. You know, I have been protected from that by in some ways by kind of going, well, I always really, I want to be an author, you know, <laughs> But, yeah, there, my, my journey feeds in from all these different places and it has left me with this diverse pit of different tools and some of them are a professional level because I've tested them and some of them I have no idea. It's just something I have lots of ideas about. Um, and all of it feeds into this space where there are these tools and these pieces and all of them overlap and mesh in together. And as you have ideas and projects and concepts that you want to explore and try out, all of that feeds in. And faith is part of that because faith is an essential part of who I am. And so in the same way that all those things bleed into each other, I also work faith into that as well and it's faith is a different kind of thing because i always say you're not a you're not a writer who is a christian you are a christian who writes god should be the center of the heart but i firmly am with tolkien in that i think creativity is a gift from god and i think we are empowered to like our god to create things and I think that's part of who he's made us to be. And when we come to thinking about our faith, I don't think it's disconnected from creative gifts and from those ways of thinking. I think all of this meshes together. And what I want this podcast to communicate is how do we make all those spaghetti strands weave in a useful way? Um, how can we bring all those skills to bear on talking about faith as well, rather than saying that, you know, there's, there's drama and there's church and the, the two have nothing to do with each other and shouldn't. And they, they, it gets messy when you mix the two or, you know, church, music has to happen in a certain way or so, yeah, I guess where my journey has brought me to is just a place of all of this stuff interacts and um, communicates and feeds into each other. And that's, I think that's a healthy thing. I think it's um, our creativity is a gift from God. And I think he wants us to use every gift we have at our disposal every quality about who we are, every unique thing that makes us different from the people around us, every skill that we have that is of value and worth using, I think we want to use it in his service. And sure, we're able to take it away and use it on our own time and have fun writing stories and doing things like that. But we should also be thinking, how do we, how do we have conversations? Is there things we can do in our stories that feed back into getting people thinking about ideas of faith that should be addressed? Is there ways um, when you're writing music, whether you write music purely in a secular sense, do you also use it elsewhere? 
Or is it something that you can contribute towards something that someone else is doing because of those skills you've built up in that secular realm? Yeah. So my artistic journey is a very confusing thing to answer, but I hope that's given you some idea of both where I've come from and the sort of um, mixed road I've come to with some of these things and also why I think that's such a tricky question to answer and maybe given us you know, a few different things that maybe you think it's interesting and you've started to think about how you know your different creative things intermesh and is there areas of your life that you're kind of going no that doesn't go with that and is that worth reassessing thanks for listening thank you for joining in with us and i five minutes ago well no it's i've been doing this for an hour um, an hour and five minutes ago uh i looked at a thing on facebook saying we had about 500 people listening so um thank you guys for joining us um this is a, a passion project for me it was something be something i would enjoy doing um even if there was five people listening um because i just i love this topic i love this area um but yeah i hope if it's whether it's this or other stuff that you guys um, will take the opportunity to actually think about um, faith and how you communicate that and how you think about that and creativity and arts in a way that isn't each thing in its own box but is actually recognizing how so much of this is just this mixed picture of who we are and how it all fits together and actually saying, all right, how do we use that for God's glory? How do we use everything we are, including all that bizarre tendencies to to um, experiment and create and not always get it right? How do we use that to serve the God that made us and gave us all those gifts in the first place? Thank you for listening. Um, I don't know when this will be out or when the next... Uh, peace will be out but uh again thank you for joining us thank you for, to john who's going to be doing a lot of the hard work of um putting this together and editing it um and we hope to have something really awesome for you next time and i hope that answers the question possibly more than our listener was, was expecting uh but thank you for joining us on the journey Thank you so much for listening again this week. If you've got any feedback or if there's anything you'd like to hear in the realm of Christianity and the arts and creativity, you can log on to Facebook and post on any of our posts or write on a video on our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. See you next time. Peace. Peace.